0: BBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. On Gibraltar Today. The Disability Society says it's exceedingly disappointed with this year's budget. Debbie Boracero and Nicole Byrne joined me in the studio, as well as eight year old puzzle champion Alma, who's won yet another competition across the border. And do you have travel plans over the coming days? Industrial action at Jibair might just disrupt that. Ian Triclarence has been following the story. Ian, why has this strike come about?
1: This isn't anything new. Uh, the Jibair had this issue last year. The staff were did the, the go slow, no uniform work, which we saw. Um, I think it's important to point out the there have been several strikes that affect air travel and the passengers leaving and coming into Gibraltar Airport. Some of them have been air traffic control and there's been, you know, other workers that are all required to make a a flight go smoothly. So Jibair did strike last year. They did the same sort of thing and they were asking for some pay rises. There's, we heard from the Bland Group yesterday, which is the Jibair's parent company, and there are some discrepancies between claims on both sides. We've heard from Unite today, although we will be uh, interviewing Sam Hennessy from Unite this afternoon. Now, the Bland Group claims that 75% of Unite, the union's members, have voted for industrial action. Unite say that's 93%, which shows an almost unanimous mm. opinion on the matter. Um, it will cause complications to travellers as from the 27th, although we will emphasise that Sam Hennessy, regional officer of Unite, has asked that Bland return to the table, or rather that return to the table, and give an offer before then, 48 hours to go.
0: What will this look like if it were to go ahead, though? What can travellers expect to
1: experience come Thursday? I mean, a go slow is what it says on the tin. Really, you get people doing their jobs very, very slowly. I think we saw that with the the ground staff, which is what the the Jibber employees, Um, they'll be moving uh, suitcases one at a time very, very slowly. That can result in delays of several hours. It's what we saw last year. We can assume it might look a bit differently, but I I think we can safely assume that it will be something like that this week as well. And, of course,
0: it's peak summertime when everyone is on summer mode, on holiday mode, hoping to leave Gibraltar for a break. Mm. So this is really the time to do it. If you want to make an impact and if you want to make a statement, I suppose this is peak time for that.
1: That's the whole point. You start thinking about your own holiday and you think, well, can't they do it some other time? But, of course, the Jirvath staff will feel this is the time at which their, their actions will be most keenly felt and where they'll get most public attention. And they're hoping that the public will side with them rather than with the employers and say, well, okay. I've been delayed by three or four hours. Maybe I missed a connecting flight, but I won't blame the Jib staff. I'll blame the employees. Of course, the employees will think that Jibair and Unite have been entirely unreasonable. They've said so in as many words.
0: So what exactly are they asking for? They're asking for a pay increase of 12%, increased bonuses and allowances and the
1: removal of the Bradford factor scoring. So what exactly is that? So yeah, the Bradford factor scoring is a measure by which you see uh, employee absences. Uh, now, JBE have said that they, that the workers want the removal of the Bradford Factor scoring. On the other side of the coin, we've got the Unite claiming that JBE wishes to reduce the threshold for calculating these absences, which means sort of penalising people for not going to work when they've got sick leave, when they've got reasons not to be at work. So where's the truth? Somewhere in between, perhaps. But we'll, we'll have to clarify that with, with through interviews. And there
0: was that offer of the one-time payment, mm. but that hasn't been accepted.
1: You imagine that within the private sector, this would have come with strings attached, as it were. Where in the public sector, uh, the workers are getting a thousand two hundred pounds, they haven't had a say in the matter. Uh, in the private sector, you might assume that this would come along with uh, an agreement not to continue with a pay, um, w- requesting a pay increase. So they want twelve percent. They want a consolidated um, increase to their, you know, to their to their pay, to their bonuses, and this would be in lieu of that. I imagine.
0: She's been dubbed Spain puzzle champion two years in a row. Eight-year-old puzzle whiz Alma is here with her very proud parents, Ranen and Maya, who have just managed to last minute convince you to come into the studio. Thank you, Maya. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we also have this, if you're watching on TV, on GBC TV, that is Alma's prize, this gold medal, which is incredible. Alma, tell me, how have you won this?
2: In Malaga. I had a competition in Malaga. And I competed in 200-piece puzzle and in parejas in pairs.
0: Yes, and now in the children's section, you came first. How far How far apart was your second opponent?
2: Um, my second place was... Second place did... How much? In uh,
3: the kids category? Mm-hmm. Uh, 25 minutes. Three minutes after Three after. minutes after, because when we've spoken to you
0: before, there have been quite a few times where you've beaten other children by a good solid 10-15 minutes. That's quite the big difference, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yes. Well, indeed. now he's getting better and better, so now three minutes.
0: That's excellent. And then, so that was a children's category. Even more impressively, you came second place in the adults category. You were the only child, you're just eight years old, mm-hmm. you're the only child to compete in the adults pairs. So how did that feel?
2: I was very excited. We won second place 39 seconds after the world puzzle champion, which is Demelza.
0: And she's an adult. Let's just confirm. So you were just 39 seconds behind first place. And I
2: competed together with someone called Jacqueline from Michas.
0: Wow. What kind of reaction do you get from the other players when you're competing?
2: I'm not really nervous. I just feel excited and I love it when people watch me. It motivates me to do the puzzle faster.
0: And what did they say about you, Alma?
2: They said that I was very good, like my partner said that I was amazing, that I worked well. And I think also we did a quite good job.
0: I think it's safe to say you did an excellent job. Well done. <laughs> and of course for, for Mum and Dad here, you guys just must be just beaming with pride.
4: We are we are very, very proud of Alma, of all her achievements. She she works really hard for it and it's her passion she just she just loves it she's so happy to do puzzles she puts a lot of energy time and yeah it's it's her passion
0: and when you go to a competition like this paint the scene for us can you go and watch her what, what kind of rules are there
2: everyone can watch us like they circle around they gather around us they gather around other people we met lots of followers from my instagram in malaga
0: you mentioned followers, and Instagram is quite a big thing for you guys, isn't it? Because there's a bit of a, like a puzzle community, I think it's safe to say. In Spain, that I, I never realized existed, but it's, it's massive.
4: It is. It's all around the world. There is a puzzle community. From, France, from Italy, all over the world. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes,
0: and they're you're famous, all- Alma.
2: <laughs> and my next competition is going to be in Valladolid, the Jitsu Puzzle Championship in September.
0: Excellent. And, and how do you prepare for something big like that?
2: In the summertime, I'm doing lots of puzzles, I learn math, I'm really practicing for the World Jigsaw Puzzle Champion trying to beat my own records.
0: What are your own records?
2: Um, 100 piece I do in 7 minutes and I'm trying to do it to 6 and 5. And now 300 piece I do it in 39 or in 31.
0: Incredible. you went on the hub not too long ago and you spoke to my colleague Stefan Robin, and you put them to shame. I think you embarrass them a little bit, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, you,
2: on you, television.
0: Yeah, on the television you did. <laughs> uh, Maya, you mentioned um, you were talking about the the puzzle community in Spain and and Alma has has a strong following.
4: Yes, in Spain she's well known. She's a member of IPUS which is the puzzle association and they all support her, they love her. She, she's a, again she's an amazing puzzle very young and and yeah, they're just they're following her. Um, they compete with her, she competes with them. It's it's like any other sport. It's very friendly. They all love it. Something that they all love, so it's nice to see.
0: And at what age did you realise that her talent for puzzles was something extraordinary? It wasn't just your, your usual interest in puzzles?
4: I want to say when she was young, when she was young. So, yeah, I think around the age of three, three to four, when she started to do four 400 pieces, 300 pieces, 500 pieces, and ask for more. And I saw that she's doing um, one puzzle after the other and putting them on the floor, one you know, one on top of the other, just piling them and doing them and and she just loved it. and she asked me mommy can i do more i want more pieces so i said okay let's challenge you so from 500 it became 700 and then we jumped to 1000 and she did it so i said okay this is something good she really she enjoys it, and she's able to do it so let's see what's what's the next step i can keep on buying her 1000 2000 pieces but you know i want something more for her to challenge her as a child and then I just Googled it and I saw that there are competitions and I found out that there is a, in Spain. And we said, okay, we are very lucky. We can cross the border and, and travel and see how it goes. And her first competition was uh, the national, Spain national um, competitions last year when she was seven and she won and since then we are traveling um, competing she's competing we are traveling we are taking her everywhere and she she's happy (laughs) she's happy we are happy the sky's the limit the sky's the Mm -hmm. limit (laughs) And and when i was three or four i
2: started like i did a surprise when you were sleeping i did all of my puzzles that i had in the living room i made them all and when you came you were very surprised
0: Oh, wow. And you just had, you had that idea yourself, Alma. I wanted to surprise Yeah,
3: I bet that was a big surprise. No, Rannan? Yeah, yeah, it was a big surprise. Uh, Alma is working generally really hard, um, doing puzzles. So she wakes up in the morning. Now, uh, definitely when it's a break from school and she will run to her puzzles. Um, But still, it's a hard work uh like any other sport if if one would like to become a champion in something and, and to to uh get rewarded um it is a hard work so she she's doing puzzles daily now uh before competitions it it, it is more in, it gets more intense um normally she would uh, practice 500 piece 1000 piece which is done recently
2: actually did a 1,000-piece puzzle of Encanto in one day. Oh, wow. Do you prefer
0: doing Disney puzzles like that? Yeah, those Disney. are your favourites. Yeah. And Alma, apart from being a puzzle mastermind, you are also very talented in other things. Aren't you other kind of hobbies you like to do outside of school?
2: I do jiu-jitsu. I like art. I'm very sporty. Gymnastics, football. I play the violin and the recorder.
0: Is there nothing you can't do?
2: <laughs> how many languages do you speak three
0: incredible so that's English
2: Spanish English Spanish and Hebrew so impressive. And I'm learning a bit of Arabic
0: oh wow how's that going
3: good yeah
0: incredible I mean when you hear your daughter speaking like this and achieving so much I mean I can just imagine the the pride that you both feel
3: yeah definitely we're very proud of, I mean we're very proud of her hard work and dedication Um, and then her achievements of course are a result of of the hard work and dedication and yeah i mean she she's pursuing what she likes to do and she's being recognized and and rewarded as such and she's also getting lots of feedbacks from from the local community from schoolmates from from ev- everyone around her which helps build her motivation um even further and yeah definitely it 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 gives us a lot of pride yeah I'm
2: things because that my mom's a teacher and my dad knows how to um type he learns to teach me computer typing
3: so you're very proud of your mom and dad too now yeah she has a a very uh, strong support around her and and uh it is we are like a team working uh, with and for Alma. Um, So each one in in the house is doing uh, all what we can in order to to enable her to to continue and pursue her, uh, her dreams and to be able to succeed. Further succeed and push herself to 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 the limit, um, but most important is that it's still very fun activity for Alma. So this is fundamentally what drives her: the, the fact that she loves doing puzzles, and and she she is uh, um, self-motivating, self-motivated by by continue doing more and more puzzles, uh, which which we find incredible because the overall number of pieces she 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 completes. Annually is is insane, mm-hmm. uh, but she, she just loves it. Well, I'm
2: starting to look for 5,000, 2,000, and 3,000,
4: and I love challenging myself yeah, actually, for harder um, Jigsaw puzzle. so I was looking online for with Disney characters, so I think that will be her next big challenge, doing 5,000.
0: Lovely. Well, thank you so much to the three of you for joining us and we'll keep tabs on how you're doing in that competition in September, Alma. I'm sure you'll be back with with more medals and making us all very proud. Thank you so much. The Disability Society says future planning and continuity of care isn't rocket science. The group adds there are many outstanding issues which have not been addressed in this year's budget. Uh, Debbie Boracero and Nicole Ben, thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Uh, I know you've been on quite recently and you've just had so many points on your wish list, which you've already released, that uh, we've got plenty to get through today. Perhaps we can start by... Saying you've issued quite a hard-hitting press release, I think that's hard—that's that's safe to say. You're pulling a your face, Debbie, but I think it's safe to say. Um, shall we start with some of the points that you did welcome in the budget speech?
5: Yeah, I mean, I—I wouldn't call it hard-hitting. I would just call it truthful. At the end of the day, um, obviously, we welcome the increase in the disability allowance, but that was expected because um, the government have said that the, as well as the pension, the benefit will go up. Every year, with the rate of inflation. So that's always a good thing. Um, The increase in LSAs is good news. Obviously, again, we've pointed out that we hope this is all set up before the school year starts because it was a bit of a fiasco last year. Remind us what happened last year. Uh, Well, basically, there was I think there were so many um, interviews and everything else that had to be done that by the time school started, they didn't have the LSAs in place. So it caused quite a bit of chaos. Uh, particularly for those children that were going up that they knew were supposed to have LSAs. I mean, obviously, you can't necessarily know when a child goes into nursery or reception whether that child is going to require an LSA. I mean, you might do, depending on the disability, but some children go into school with maybe minor uh, disabilities, but it becomes a bit more apparent that a little bit of extra help would help them. So um, so there was that. There's also very welcome is the study... Um, on the increase in numbers of uh disabled in gibraltar that that's a very welcome um issue because unless you know how many people you're working with it's very difficult to future plan Um, and i really think that this not necessarily a study, but a register or an idea of how many people... I mean, I do remember when they opened the pool for the disabled, we, the Disability Society, were told, well, we'll go along and find out who wants to use it. And it's like you're looking at it and you're thinking, well... How do we do this? At the end of the day, you've got the people that are registered disabled who receive the allowance, but then you've got people who might not be in receipt of the allowance but have a blue badge. Um, you have people that not even have any form of recognition of a disability but still have a disability. So, it, you know, it, it's very difficult, and, and government really need to do this because future planning is the key to everything it's the key to health it's the key to education it's the key to the future of people with employment um living within the community if they need maybe a small amount of help not necessarily i know we have flats in the community at the moment where people live 24-hour care but there are also kids coming up now who need a little bit of help to live independent from their parents otherwise they're going to be living at home for the rest of their lives
0: You talk about future planning and according to the Society, Nicole, at the moment, there is no adequate future planning.
6: Um, Not that we know of. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure that that uh, that different departments are doing their thing and, and and looking looking at it possibly internally, but what we would like to see is is a, a possible merge of of all departments. Um, so when whenever a person um, is either uh, or comes across a disability or is or, or has a child that uh, is born with a disability, then that there is a continuity of 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 the support that they would need as debbie quite rightly said not everybody requires the same support how can we plan um for everybody's support if one we don't know what types of disabilities there are how many and two if we don't have the adequate support needed in place and if we're fractionalized and i think that's what's happening that that departments are are fractionalized and not joint um then a, a, a proper um Person-centered approach cannot be uh, undertaken, and it's that's what is needed. Just to look at the person, look at the child, if 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 they have a disability from birth, or or is is then found out quite young in in their age, and then look at that at that person, and continue with that person-centered approach to for their for their life, so that then they can lead sustainable lives, and that would have an impact in society because. Everything is planned for. There's there's no nothing that catches you unawares. And if there's anything that is that needs you know tweaking or whatever, then it's easy because that 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 planning has has been put in place.
0: Without that planning, what does a day to day life look like for someone who's disabled in Gibraltar?
5: Um, well, again, I mean it's, it's it's very difficult because you don't have a one size fits all disabled person um you know you have the people that are going to need 24-hour care um you've got to then look at the uh, effect that that has on the family um, whether they've got siblings, obviously, because you know you, you you can't concentrate as a parent on one child. You you have other child uh, children as well, so you know. And then and then you would say, well, you need to give these people some respite. You need to make sure that um, St Martin's is is enough to cater for all the children that will need to attend there. St Bernadette. I mean, obviously, that's another thing that came up in our press release that there's no discussion about the expansion of St Bernadette. Well, if we've had a school built for 107 pupils and is now bordering on overcrowded, where do they all go? They go to St. Bernadette. So you need to... Why are you waiting until the last minute to start doing these things? But then you have, on the other hand, you have um, children whose disability isn't so profound. So you need to be able to provide them with a future. Um, You need to, again, in our press release, the um, planning for education for 16-plus you know they might not be necessarily able for the uh, GCSEs, or o levels as they called them in my age um uh, but there are um Uh, courses that you can do where they can go to college supported employment there are people with disabilities who are perfectly able to work provided they have the support that allows them to be independent that allows them to come off the benefit that allows them not to be supported by government which obviously saves government money Um, and then there's supported independent living there's somebody who might you just might need to check that they are taking medication on a daily basis or they are um their at uh, their um health or uh, they're taking care of themselves in a way that they should do but it allows them to be independent and to leave home at the moment the people that require that small amount of support are going to be living at home for the rest of their lives and uh, you know it's a lot of future planning which can be done which can improve the lives of people greatly
0: there's a lot to unpick there, but I'll just touch base on the, the supported employment, which you've been campaigning for for, for years.
6: Uh, what's the latest on that? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a job coach myself. Um, I do work at the college, and I do help young people, um, obviously, to find um, a career pathway, but um, unfortunately, just stops there, really. Um, I mean... Uh, when government came in, they set up the
5: Supported Employment Company Limited. Now, unfortunately, advice was offered on how to do this. It's not just a place where somebody with a disability goes and says, oh, can you find me a job? And they say, oh, what do you like? Oh, will you like this? Well, we can put them here. You know, it's a well. you need support, you need job coaches, you need... I mean, it's not just about the disabled person when it comes to employment. It's about the employer, because employers are nervous and 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 this is no criticism whatsoever employers are nervous about taking on people with disabilities because they don't know what's expected of them if there's maybe a little altercation or a little thing that they need. So you need to be able to support the employer and the employee until you find... I mean, and obviously, you've got to scope out the correct job as well because, you know, you, you can't just put anybody in, in a certain job and think, oh, well, that's OK, you know. It's like the rest of us. We we apply for jobs that we are capable of doing or that we're, um, we've got um, um, the ability to do. So it's the same for disabled people. You know, you need... It's a whole big...